0: Head over to TheInforium.com slash Nebula to sign up now. Hello, dear listener, and welcome to another episode of The Inforium. I forgot that I'm supposed to be looking at that camera instead of that camera. This is a show about productivity, but not about which camera to look at when you're doing a podcast that most people don't even watch on video.
1: That's true. I really botched that Most people don't see any of this.
0: (laughs) We are, uh, we're back to doing a remote recording today, which is why the Audio may sound a little bit different. Apologies to my editor, Anna, in advance for having to futz with the audio settings once again. But, uh, you know, we're not even remote because of uh, COVID. We're just remote because busy.
1: Yeah, well, you've got like a house to do. do house things with, among I'm other things. still
0: I'm still a little bit waiting on that. But it is definitely crunching the month in terms of like plans I'm having to move up because of the move
1: yeah like so this whole month is going to be like that's going to be the the changer that made this month what it is
0: yeah it's it's going to be a heck of a month and of course i've decided to add extra projects that i didn't have planned before on my plate uh because Obviously. i have no chill well that's good because we ironic. actually have
1: some project check-in coming up in this episode we do have project check-in
0: So, yeah, I guess, you know, coming up in this episode, if there is any sort of episode summation or uh, index, I don't know what you call it, we have a project check-in for what we've been doing. Uh, We've got our main topic where we'll be talking about the concept of enough and uh, when when do you have enough. And then we have some cult member Q&A. Yeah. So, you know, a good old classic episode of the Inforium. That's how dad did it. That's how America does it. And it's worked out pretty well so far. Yeah. I think. For, for six episodes as of now. Uh, one thing that I can promise you we will not be talking about in this episode is the election. Partly because as we record this on election day, you and I have no idea what's about to happen. But when everyone's listening to this, they will hopefully know already. That's so that's true. There's yeah. just really for, no for value. We, we
1: have no... We have no insight into what you, future listener, already know.
0: I did I was wondering about one thing the other day. Can you think of another website that has as long of a time period between its cyclical traffic boosts as 538 mm. which for for people who don't know 538 is Nate Silver's blog where he uh does all sorts of like polling and statistical data on elections but uh um, it is basically like is there a homepage. census website that well maybe uh i remember filling out the census was it online or was it the paper this time i don't know
1: there's maybe there's a website if so then that okay, one's probably this, a little longer if there's
0: a census website that is a decade-long traffic uh but also what i they doubt a it? census like, website would be like
1: pattern? working real hard for good google analytics you know that probably don't probably care not. that they're not getting traffic the rest of the time.
0: Yeah, right, like right now the 538 team is like, "All right, well how are we going to keep people coming back to the site after this is all over?" Well, done? they
1: they do stuff for <laughs> like sports and stuff as well, but Yeah. Yeah, I imagine the the traffic comes from political. I, I would have to imagine the
0: if you were if you were to look at the analytics on like a decade long time period, you would see two gigantic spikes in 2016 and 2020. And then everything yeah, else probably. would just completely pale in comparison.
1: I imagine with a little baby spike for the middle years.
0: We have a, uh, biannual, that means twice a year, right? I always get semi and bi uh, mixed up or maybe a semi.
1: I think it's semi, semi. We have a
0: semi annual traffic spike pattern at uh, college info Bogeek because we get a lot of traffic in August and September And then we get a bunch more again in January.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Summers are usually
0: pretty chill. We get little bumps like near midterms, near graduation. uh, And then there's like pretty chill periods in between. But I would say our spikes aren't like massive. Um, I think my friend Matt, who has a pool website, probably sees a much bigger spike. It's like once a year in the summer, it's huge. And then in the winter, it's not. Which I've told him he needs to start targeting australian pool keywords so he can level out a bit oh yeah that would make but, sense i don't know if he's done that yeah all right uh what say we do project check-in yeah because we haven't done it properly in about a month uh so last time we re- we recorded a podcast we did two in a row which meant that project check-in for the previous episode was not very productive I think uh, I had maybe one lunch hour in between those podcasts to get anything done. Yeah. And I'm not sure if I did, but uh, since then we've had a full month of things. So I'm going to let you start. What what have you gotten done in the last month?
1: Uh, I've been working on a, a new personal website that I just completed and put out onto the internet. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I'm trying to consolidate my web presence a bit. I, it was spread out. So now everything's out on uh just kind of a list of links to the various things I do, a bit of a an explanation of my projects, uh photography portfolio page. And by the time this episode comes out, probably a language resource page that I've been meaning to make for years.
0: Because you're still
1: working on that, right? Yeah, that's that's in progress right now, but it'll probably be done by the time this episode comes out. It's almost almost mm-hmm. there. But yeah, I've been working on a new website. I guess it's um it's at martinbay.me. And you can misspell that almost however you want. I bought several domains of my last name misspelled, so martinbay.me will probably go to the right one.
0: I wonder if you can get any variation of martin.something. I don't know. Martin's a fairly common name. I have thomas.lol. Yeah, but I don't need to buy an lol.
1: What am I going to do with that? (laughs) i think i redirect thomas.lol to my, like i already uh, have too many domains I'm, I'm not using i don't know if i need to go out of my way to buy a bunch more that's true i thought recently
0: about like what is the effective monthly cost of all my domains because they get renewed yearly and yeah. they're on average what like 15 bucks a year some of them are more expensive because depending on the kind domains yeah. i probably spend like probably 10 bucks a month on domains oh yeah. well what are you gonna do but yeah, the the website's looking great. I am especially impressed by how you have implemented the dark mode preference. Oh, I'm I'm
1: really happy with the dark mode.
0: Um I want to get that on my website oh, soon. Also the color choices. Stuff.
1: I was I was real happy about the color choices cuz I themed them.
0: Uh, oh, oh, you mean like with the names? Yeah. Yeah. That's it's the kind of like
1: strange. extra unnecessary artistic touch I like to bring to everything.
0: I am very impressed with the new builder plugins because last time, like in the past, I tried builder plugins. They're like, okay. And when they started out, they were all like slow and kind of awful. Now, I mean, you you built your new website with a builder plugin.
1: It's It's, true. And it saved me a bunch of time that I didn't need to spend coding relatively simple things.
0: Yeah. Like, I mean... I would probably have to think about this a little harder, but there's a part of me that's like, if we were to ever redesign CIG, I might say just do it in Elementor. Because I did my new site. I'd have to think about a couple of special
1: cases first, but like you can, you it's not like you couldn't further customize it.
0: Yeah, like a lot of like the hub pages we've done, you could hook into custom field plugins to do dynamic data, and like with the speed optimizations that you and I have done. I don't know about your site, but mine is uh, is Nearly as fast as CIG.
1: I think my site it's it's getting very good ratings from like GT Metrics or the Chrome Lighthouse thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's about as fast as it can be without using a CDN or a more expensive host. And are so you're using? So you're using, not
0: using a CDN? Nope, not at all. You're not using Cloudflare on the site at all? No, I have like 20 photos. So I didn't feel worth wow. it. Wow. So this is interesting because on our, uh, on our personal website guide, we recommend HostGator, which I've been using for very many years, but personally I switched to WP engine. Um, I think it was in like 2016 because CIG was just getting too much traffic Yeah, and I continue to recommend HostGator as like a good personal starter. There's a lot of people on the internet who think HostGator sucks and
1: This is kind of
0: interesting because you built, yeah, like not only did you use this heavy builder plugin that a lot of people say you need to have a great host for, you're also getting really good page speed load times on the public end, which is, and you're not even using Cloudflare. I was sure you'd be using Cloudflare. Nope. So that's pretty cool. Uh, It's it's actually very cool to me because it means we can update our guide with this and still recommend like, I think, what is still the cheapest possible option. It's like if if you get the discount, it's what, like $2.60 a month or something when Squarespace is 18, I want to say. Yeah, it's something like that. And even Wix premium is like 12. And I don't like Wix because their they're, uh, they're responsive templates are not actually responsive. Like you have to build a mobile version. And then if you reload the page with the right width, it'll load that. But you can't like stretch it and have it collapse down, which that is not responsive, as mm, far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, that's cool, you got a brand new personal website. And it is more than one page. Um, I also have a brand new personal <laughs> website. So I can't remember exactly what I said I had done on my last project check-in, but what I now have is a finished and launched personal website that has a homepage and about page, it has a page for my courses, Uh, But what I'm most excited for and what is definitely new since we talked about this last time is I've got uh, multiple blog pages. So I've got one for my general articles, one for my book notes, and then one specifically for Notion tutorials. And I have a templates page where I have four Notion tutorial or four Notion templates that people can download. Um, I had the two that already existed, which was the video project tracker for YouTubers and uh, video editors, and then the note-taking template. And since we last talked, I launched two more. One is called Ultimate Tasks, and is a full-featured task manager for Notion that basically replicates most of what you're going to have in like todoist, Asana, Microsoft to do pretty much any task management app. Um, I will say that purpose-built task management apps are still probably better in terms of workflow. But if you're somebody like me and you wanna connect your tasks to other things like your video scripts or your wiki or anything like that, like doing it in Notion makes sense. And uh, I put a ton of work into that and people have been really liking it so far. And then, so that one, that one, I'm gonna call that one a smashing success. Uh, And then I had this idea. I've been playing a lot of Among Us. uh, And I know you've been playing a little bit as well. Yeah. And I had seen a YouTube video where somebody had a little tool where they could like drag the player names under different columns, like sus or dead or innocent or almost certainly imposter. And I'm like, hey, I could build that in Notion with just a Kanban table. So I did that. And then I was like, let's just go overboard with this and see what I can build. And I built this whole template where you can like put the location where you last saw somebody and it'll tell you if there's a vent and where the vent goes and like all kinds of crazy stuff like that. And I did a YouTube video on my main channel for it. And I, I was thinking to myself, okay, this is an example of like passion mashing, which we've talked about a long time ago, I think, where you kind of take like two things you're interested in and smash them together. And passion mashing can go one of two ways. Either you create something brand new that like both audiences from those two interests love, or you like create an intersection that just kind of alienates everyone <laughs> and I'm like all right this is going to go one of those two ways I am almost certain that this video will not be a middle of the road video I think it's going to bomb hard or go viral and unfortunately it bombed hard oh no uh yeah it's it's like I think it's been out for four days and we have like 50,000 views on it which we were on track it is it for is fairly video niche. It is fairly niche. We were on track for every video in 2020 to have hit hundred K and this one, I don't think will, (laughs) or it will, it will take a very long time to do it. So whatever, like I am not that mad because if, if I'm not allowed to take risks with my channel every once in a while, then like, I just feel stuck doing the same kind of thing. So I'm glad I tried it. uh, But I definitely learned a lesson from it. And it's not like a total failure. Like people have, have used the template and the thing I found is the the amount of views it got was very low. But the people who were interested in it showed a lot more enthusiasm than they normally do on a video that I do. It got added to Product Hunt. It got put on Reddit. Uh, a lot more people were talking about it on Twitter than most of my videos. So it was kind of an interesting dichotomy there.
1: It's just uh, but anyway, s- some solid niche stuff going on. It's
0: very niche. It was very fun to build. So. Uh, possibly not the best, um, business decision in terms of making a video on it, but who who knows? I also, um, I wanted to use it to market my new channel, which is called Thomas Frank explains. Uh, the problem is I put the marketing for my channel at like eight minutes into the video and the average view duration was very low. So I don't think most people even got to the part where I tell them I have a new channel. So I think I need to retry that and do another video on my main channel that is a bit more tailored to that audience. And that advertises the new channel more quickly um but i think i talked about i was kind of building the machinery to build a course for notion for like people who are creators and teams who want to use it to boost their productivity so i've kind of started building the machinery for that i'm building out a course area of my website on a staging uh staging version and then for the template pages they are now set up to collect email addresses. So I used to just like link out to the templates and just give them out and whatever, not know who was using them. Um, For each one, I've now built a landing page where people can either just go straight to the template or they can get the template and also sign up for a Notion Tips email list. So I'm basically getting my stuff together with this new website. That's fair. And uh, in addition to that, I, like I said, I launched my channel and I've got four videos on there now. So... In terms of actual video output, I think October was one of our most productive months in a long time. It's just that not a lot of them are on the main channel. So it's interesting, like building a new a new project sort of like reignites that fire. Yeah. So yeah, that's basically my project check-in. Uh, hey, I paid my first mortgage.
1: So that's Yeah. Fun. See, now the interesting part about your project check-in here is that I think it wraps very neatly into the main topic because you're starting a new channel and you're going to be trying to get more followers again, more, Mm -hmm. more subscribers, and you've just bought a house, a symbol of financial success to many people. It's a tough thing for people in our generation to get a house. Both of these are things that you kind of want to do going forward and you have to decide when have you got enough, how many followers are you hoping to get on that new channel? And, And, and like is this is the house going to be... Are you good then? Or do you want to keep building? Now, do you want to buy a mansion after the house? You've got to pick <laughs> your own stopping points soon. Uh,
0: Yeah, I definitely want a mansion. No, I'm just kidding. I don't, wanna, I don't want a mansion. Yeah, you shouldn't um, get a mansion
1: because they're haunted every time.
0: So yeah, I have some thoughts on this whole enough question. So the, the channel is interesting. Um, In building it, before I had launched, I had a model I was looking at which I have now realized was a a very bad model to be looking at. So my friend, Sam runs a channel called Wendover Productions. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of it. It's very big, has at least two and a half million subscribers. And he launched another channel a couple of years ago called Half is Interesting. And Half is Interesting, I believe hit a hundred thousand subscribers before the first video even went up because he advertised wow. it on the main channel and it was like a mystery thing. So I was like, "Oh, well, I should try to do that. I should try to like get, you know, a ton of subscribers over to this new channel before it even launches." And I I, I kind of didn't do that. Uh I think I just got a little bit too busy and um or maybe just too excited to make content for that new channel. But I realize that his his uh model was not the one I should have been pursuing. In fact, it could have Kind of prematurely killed this new channel. So, half as interesting is like variety content optimized for viral views. It's like interesting, almost like interesting Wikipedia facts, like the secret protocol that happens when the Queen of England dies, or what's the longest drivable distance in the world without getting on a boat or a plane, like that kind of Mm. stuff. You know, the average person would click on that out of curiosity. So, perfectly fine to have a ton of subscribers waiting in the wings when you launch that. I have a general productivity channel, but my second channel is a super niche, like notion tutorials channel. So it's like people who want tutorials on a specific piece of software. So if I had tried to push a bunch of uh, subscribers to that channel before I launched it and they had no idea what kind of content that was going to be, a ton of them would have had no interest in it when I started launching it. And then they would be subscribed mm, and YouTube would say, oh, your true. subscribers don't care about these videos. We're probably not going to show them to other people. So, um, in, in regards to your original question, how many followers do I want on this channel? I don't care. Like, I literally don't care how many followers, what I want is as many followers as is needed to build up a sustainable side business with the educate, like the paid education stuff I'm going to do paid templates, paid courses. Um, in regards to that, I saw one of the co-founders of notion tweeted with one of those like open face emojis, ah, somebody made $300,000 selling notion courses. So, uh, I don't really have a time frame for that, but that's sort of like, okay, I'm going to give myself a goal of hitting that. Okay. Like, can I, can I make 300 K selling my own product? And it's, it's not even like, I don't need that money, but I would like to prove to myself that I could, successfully sell my own product and build my own business and sales pipeline. Like I would like to prove to myself, I can do that as an entrepreneur. Um, And if, if I'm successful in doing that, it would allow me to maintain my current level of income and maybe raise it up to a point where I could give you guys raises uh, without having to rely so much on frequent uploads to my main channel for sponsor money. That's, that's kind of my overall goal. So in, yeah, in terms of like enough money wise, I feel I have enough now. Um, I would like to be able to maintain that current level of income while being able to put more time into each video that I do for my main channel, instead of having to put out like more videos to make more money.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause the content treadmill never ends. The content treadmill never
0: ends. Uh, and I know like the, the way that I put effort into videos, And maybe I could be more strategic about it, but the way that I put effort into videos doesn't, it doesn't boost the views on an individual video enough that it would make me double what I make now. So it's not like I could just realistically cut my publishing schedule in half and expect to double my sponsor rate and get the same amount of money that way. Which means I either have the choice of accepting lower income or finding another way to make income. And yeah. I choose option B. What is behind door number B? Number B. <laughs> um, house-wise, this is an interesting interesting thing. The house I bought is not necessarily in the location that I like would love to be in forever. So what I consider to be is a good investment because I'm no longer paying rent. I, I'm paying into equity. Um, I'm going to learn a lot by owning a house. It's going to be cool. But I, I can already tell like I'll probably want to get something that I consider to be better at some point in the future, but I'm not in a rush. Mm. So I don't know. Like, okay. I, I guess this, this puts me squarely in the camp of wanting I'm more. not completely content yeah. with what I have now, so now is not enough. Which, like, it, it, in the context of the discussion that we're probably going to have, I mean, it, it makes me feel a little bit guilty. Shouldn't, shouldn't I have enough, but I don't know. Where, where, how do you feel about your current situation and what is enough?
1: Well, I don't, I don't feel that my current situation is enough, but, but that's just because I kind of know what I think enough is. And honestly, I don't think that it's that crazy. Mm-hmm. I, enough for me would just be like a uh, more financial safety for yeah. the people people close to me uh, and obviously myself, like I'm not gonna sacrifice all of my all of my own income to the point that it doesn't end up helping in the end, but right uh I want enough time to be somewhat more socially active in whatever community I end up a part of, things like cool community gardens, little you know local community involved change, I like being a part of things, and um Having an income to bills ratio that allows me to live happily beneath my means merely mm-hmm. as a way of knowing that I'm always getting a little safer rather than the other way around, you know, because a lot of people get stuck in a paycheck to paycheck thing, which is you're living at your means or even under it. I just want to be able to live a little, or oh, I mean, over it. I want to live under my means so that it's safer every time. And then I yeah. want to have that free time more so than like a, a crazy ultra rich life or something. I want to have the free time to have like a garden and read and think a lot and take photos and go stand up paddle boarding and things like that. A slow, peaceful life, which doesn't mm-hmm. require much other than the initial safety involved in allowing me to have that free time.
0: Yeah. If, if you were to own a place, then I think that would be even more attainable. And like that's one thing I think about. Yeah, like if you were to eventually buy a house and then it, maybe even pay it off early. Like one thing I think about is um like how much I'm considering financial upside versus everything else and else decisions. So with my house, um I ended up putting more than 20% down, but I have no intention of paying off the mortgage ex- in an accelerated fashion. Like I'm going to pay off just whatever I okay. need to pay every month because- yep you know, I could, I could take any excess and I could put it into the market and likely make more than I would save by paying it off early. But for somebody with your priorities, it might actually make more sense when you can to pay off a mortgage early because then you would, you would sooner own your house uh, free and clear. Uh, And maybe you would end up with a lower, you know, balance in your investment accounts later on than you would have otherwise by like a small margin, but you would have that like security of knowing
1: that I very much value the, the emotional value higher than like, you know, some small percentage of financial difference in the future. Yeah. And, Oh, and I guess one of the things that I, that I dream of, the dream is that I have like a place that I live happily and I live under my means in such a way that I can travel two or three times Mm -hmm. a year I want to have a home base from which I can go stay somewhere for a handful of weeks as if I lived there live an alternate version of my life like what would it be like if I if I lived in Kyoto this is my Kyoto life I'll live there for a month and and come back to my home base that's the dream but it involves yeah. living beneath my means in a comfortable happy home somewhere that isn't too expensive then it's easier for me to obtain that so it's mm-hmm kind of just freedom and peace. So I, I would definitely be the kind of person who who wants to pay off stuff like that soon. I also like snowball debt payment more than I like stacking for similar reasons. Yeah, it's, it's more emotionally to valuable different. to me and yeah. that makes me feel better. And if I feel better, I'm more motivated and then I'm more likely to do things that would make me more money. Mm-hmm. So, so in the end, I think I don't. would actually financially benefit from that.
0: For people who don't know those terms, uh, can you quickly explain them?
1: Yeah. So uh, they're both, they're alternate techniques for paying off all your debts. The snowball technique, I believe you basically, you pay off the one with the smallest balance first, Mm -hmm. and then you take all of the money that you had to pay toward that balance. Let's say that was a hundred dollars a month bill. You pay off that whole thing. Then after that, you take that hundred dollars. You put that toward the second smallest thing. And then when you're done with that one, you take all of that pay together and so on and so on. And you, you keep increasing the amount you can pay monthly until eventually they're all gone. And the alternate stacking method, I believe, is to put them in the order of highest interest rate mm-hmm. because this is mathematically slightly smarter and you will save the most money on interest that way.
0: And you, but, and you will pay it off fastest.
1: Yeah, but what feels better to me is seeing something, yeah, you'll pay off all of it fastest, but like yep. it'll be longer before you get to the point that you've paid off one of them, probably. Yeah,
0: one of them. Yep, most likely. Now, it, I like unless, the emotional it, burst. It aligns where your smallest interest rate, or sorry, your yeah, highest unless interest rate unless, your unless it just happens
1: numbers. to, but I think the general situation would be that trade off. But yeah. yeah, I like I like snowball better because it would simplify my life to have to worry about one fewer bill, and I like the simplicity. Mm-hmm. That would feel good. And then seeing that it was gone would motivate me, and I'd probably work better as a result.
0: This week's episode of our show is brought to you by friends over at Skillshare, which is an awesome learning library full of thousands of classes that can teach you skills, practical skills that you can actually use to get your hands dirty in a ton of different topical areas from video production and editing to digital animation and illustration to money management to productivity. Skillshare has a class for basically anything that you want to learn, Uh, art classes, music classes, all kinds of stuff. I've even got a couple of classes on Skillshare, one on building a productivity system, making all your productivity apps work together in harmony, and one on building strong habits. And I have a third class coming out in January 2021 that you're not going to want to miss if you are a creator. But speaking of creators, I always do a specific class recommendation when I do ads for Skillshare, and this month is no different. Today, I want to recommend a class called Video on a Budget, Prepare for Your Shoot Without Breaking the Bank by one of my favorite YouTubers, Christopher Rhodes, who has a channel called YC Imaging. He is one of my favorite filmographers. He has a great channel all about his techniques that he uses to film music videos, which is something that I have an interest in. And if you wanna learn how to up your video game without spending A bunch of money and you want to learn specific skills that may not be like the skills you would always think of when you think of video skills but are actually very very useful like location scouting then Christopher's class is going to be an excellent resource for you. And one of the great things about Skillshare is that all their classes have an active learning component. Each class has a project, so there's something that you can use to get your hands dirty and start using the skill you're learning right away. Another great thing about Skillshare is that it's a very affordable platform with your annual subscription costing less than 10 bucks a month. But if you want to try it out before you even plunk any money down, they also have a free trial. If you're one of the first 1,000 people to go over to Skillshare.com slash Inforium, you're going to get yourself a free trial where you can take as many classes as you want during that trial period. So if you want to get started learning new skills, if you want to take one of my classes, want to take Christopher's class, or want to take anything else on the platform, head on over to Skillshare.com Inforium and be one of the first 1000 people to sign up to get that free trial. Big thanks as always to Skillshare for sponsoring this episode and being a huge supporter of basically everything we do here, podcast, YouTube, all kinds of great stuff. Huge thanks to them for sponsoring this episode. And A big thanks goes out to our second sponsor this week, which is Hover. And Hover is, as you probably know if you've listened to my show before, the best place on the internet to get yourself a domain name. I think we actually talked about how many domain names we have in this episode. And I get all my domain names over at Hover.com com. I have thomas.lol. I've got thomas.ninja. I'm pretty sure I still have that one. And recently I just bought thomasfrank.blog. And one cool thing you can actually do on Hover is redirect domains to another domain that you own. So for instance, I've got thomasjfrank.com. I've got tomfrankly.com. I've got thomasfrank.me. I've got thomasfrank.blog. I've gotten a lot of different domains that represent my name, or my personal brand, but they all are set up to redirect over to thomasjfrank.com. So I can say the one that's easy to spell sometimes, or if somebody just happens to type in the domain that is associated with my Twitter handle, which is Tom Frankly, it's gonna get them all to the same place. And that is something that you want to think about when you're building your own personal brand. How can you make sure that people land at your sort of online home base, no matter where they come from, so they can see your portfolio, so they can figure out how to contact you, so you can build professional relationships, so you can get clients, so you can maybe impress employers, whatever it is you're trying to do. And of course, when you have an online home base, having your domain is the first step to doing that. Even if you're not ready to build a website for a portfolio or whatever, you do wanna get your domain name so somebody else can't take it. I learned that the hard way by not being born early enough to get thomasfrank.com. But like I said, I've got all those other ones. And Hover is, again, the best place to get your domain because they have a ton of different extensions you could choose from, your .coms, your .me's, your .lol's, and they have a very streamlined and friction-free checkout process. A lot of other registrars do a lot of like pop-ups and they try to sell you on extra products. With Hover, it is super easy Friction-free, super fast to get your domain. So if you want to get your domain, make sure you have it locked down for when you're ready to start building out your online web presence and save 10% off your first purchase. Go to hover.com slash C-I-G. That is H-O-V-E-R.com slash C-I-G. And uh, once again, thanks to Hover for sponsoring this episode and supporting our show. Now, I I respect that. Um, Anna is like that. My mom is like that. A lot of people are like that. They want to see more loans getting paid off sooner and they're willing to pay a little bit extra and take a little bit longer to pay off their debt. I just, I just think the
1: total interest for the debts I have like the difference isn't going to be significant enough for me to care over the course of like 30 years.
0: Yeah. So this is my like hard line piece of financial advice when it comes to snowball versus stack. If you have credit card debt that is accruing at like 22% interest like, pay that off. Well, first, try, that to, one, try to uh, consolidate it and that is uh, a refinance it to point. like a personal loan. But, you know, say you're like, I've got a $5,000 loan at 3% interest, but I've got $10,000 in 22% interest credit card debt. Like, you need to kill the credit card debt. Now, first. now
1: that, that is a very, very good <laughs> caveat. I don't have that kind of credit card debt. So, all of my percentages yeah. are roughly between, you know, like three, six, seven. They're, they're all like, yeah. it's not a significant difference. Mm -hmm. but yeah if i had horrible (laughs) ever mounting credit card debt then certainly that would be the first one followed by the snowball in my case Mm -hmm. i would definitely get that done first
0: the way i did it uh and people might know this i am like a advocate of the stack method i care nothing for the emotional win of paying off a specific loan i want to pay the least amount possible so i will pay off the highest interest possible first um the way that I sort of dealt with this emotionally is I just created a spreadsheet that had all my loans and then it it created a total debt number. And I put a graph in, in Google Sheets that would just show that line going down of my total debt over time. So every time I make a payment on one of those loans, the line itself would go down. And it was just, that was like enough motivation to see all of my debt going down over time.
1: That could that's definitely not enough work. for everyone. Well, some people might look at a chart like that realize how overwhelmingly long it is and then Mm. just feel worse. And if you spiral into depression, you probably won't be that productive financially. So it could backfire. Exactly.
0: Yeah. If that's something that a lot of like a lot of the number people like me don't quite understand. It's like the numbers do have an emotional effect that differs from person to person. And if numbers like debt or income or whatever it is, are affecting your emotional state, they're probably affecting your ability to work productively, which probably affects your earning potential, not to mention yeah, your happiness. Which is a really right? hard to
1: measure effect.
0: Yeah, and like personally, I if, if this mattered to me, I would rather be happily in debt for 30 years than miserably in debt for 15.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's basically um, how I feel. That's, it's a pretty good, pretty good sum mm-hmm. up is like, even though it would be slightly smarter... Except for the credit card situation you mentioned, in which case it would be very much smarter to get that one out of the way first.
0: Yeah, when the interest rate is high enough, like that should be your number one priority because it, it can get so high that like, number one, you're just, you're just throwing away money if you're not paying it down. And it can be so high that it just can stick around forever because it'll accumulate faster than you can pay it off. Like If you've yeah. got 25% interest or 22% interest on a $10,000 balance and you're paying the minimum $25 payment a month, like, you will never pay that off.
1: You're just yeah, that's, that that's the trick. Math is real fun, isn't it?
0: <laughs> Math is fun. Uh, we're going to do a credit card episode on my channel at some point.
1: That's probably a really good idea. Because I like oh, Also, to do... if you have anything with like a variable interest, things that aren't obvious and predictable. All of my debt yeah. uh, is very reasonably low interest and, you know, like fixed. Mm-hmm. Not, nothing crazy is going to happen.
0: Now, I have learned that I think
1: I'm horribly irresponsible.
0: I am okay with some debt. Uh, in fact, I, to me, I view debt as a tool when used responsibly uh, and when the debt does not create a difficult financial situation on a month-to-month payoff basis. Like if, if there is debt that I can pay off each month without like even thinking about it in terms of stress and that offers me something, I'll often take it. So like the house I just bought, I only put 20% down because I wanted to avoid PMI and I wanted to get the lowest interest rate possible. And um, it wasn't the interest rate didn't even hinge on it being 20% down. It hinged on it being under a specific price limit where like the federal government will back the loan. So I had to put a little more than 20% down to get it under that price limit essentially. And that let me get a really good rate. Uh, and the only reason I like kind of went for it is I had not yet and still have not yet finished building a calculator to figure out if the PMI is worth paying or not. Cause there is like a mathematical equation you can, you can build to figure out is PMI worth paying or not. If you are taking money out of your investments to pay your down payment. And now there's like, there's more equations to do because I just learned that Wealthfront will let you borrow money using your investment balances as collateral which is really interesting because I had to take money out of my investments and my investments were making like, I think on average or over the lifetime currently, it was like 12% return in my Vanguard account. I had to take a bunch of money out of that to pay my down payment. I don't know, but it may have actually been smarter if I had been able to borrow against my investment balance at two and a half percent to pay my down payment and then pay that off over time. There's math I got to do there. It's very interesting. But, yeah, uh, at, at the it's way at I, this point where I'm like,
1: <laughs> if this is too much math and I just want to be happy and the numbers can go away now. See, I, I, have I a love limit the numbers. of math.
0: I love the numbers. Not I that love I hate math, but I have stuff. a limit
1: of stressful finance math.
0: Yeah, and I, I just love the stressful finance math. I love getting into it. Um, but the, like, the general point is, if I can keep my war chest and get something I need with really cheap debt, then I'll do it. And this is, like, this is something that I think business owners think about more naturally than people who are salaried employees or who are making money hourly. Uh, number one, as a business owner, like I know there's all these threats. And I guess like, if, you, if you've ever lost a job, you would understand this too. But from a business perspective, um, paying like half a million dollars for a house is not as smart as letting the bank pay for 80% of that Because if I if I fall on tough times and I have parted with half a million dollars, then the probability that I'm going to have to lay people off is much higher, or maybe even like my business goes under. But if the bank is taking care of that, then like the worst thing that can happen is yeah, maybe they repossess my house, but I don't lose my business and my team doesn't go hungry.
1: Yeah, so like that's how I think all of your liquid ability to.
0: Yeah, I'm paying more dollars in total because I'm I'm picking on debt and there's interest, but what I'm doing is I am paying like the bank for the service of allowing me to keep my war chest and my optionality and my ability to take a punch if something goes wrong. And like if that if the cost of that service is not too high, I'll take it every time. But again, that's like that's an emotional it's like an emotional difference thing because some people that would eat away at them all day long and if that's the case it's the wrong decision just like and this is a spectrum thing it's not even a binary thing that's where i'm comfortable where i'm not comfortable is in making like high stakes trades you know there's people out there who are like totally comfortable like betting the farm on apple or like an ipo or something like that and like okay if you're going to do that that's that's your level of risk tolerance my level of risk tolerance is not there but it is like it is at a certain point where I'm okay with certain debt. Yeah. And I almost see it as a way of like hedging risk in certain ways. So it's the same reason I finance cars. Like a lot of people be like, oh, you can't afford that car. It's like, well, I could afford it, but I want this car and I could either part with that amount of money. So my, my Stinger was, I think, $54,000. I could have parted with $54,000, which would have reduced my war chest. And also, it would have been a lot of money out of investments that could have been making. By like twelve percent right now, average seven percent. Uh, or I can take on debt at two like, yeah, and a half percent.
1: Yeah, at I'm that point mathematically, debt. it makes sense to mm-hmm. to take the debt.
0: Yep. Now, I I typically, you know, with with the exception of the house, I'm not going to finance things that I can't afford. Um, a house makes sense because you know you're you're buying an asset that is going to appreciate in value. Um, what I will never do is finance a consumer purchase that will depreciate. That I couldn't buy myself if I wanted to yeah I think but yeah it's interesting to like hear about you, like your emotional state in terms of like how you what would make you happy and your dream I've been thinking about this like what what is a dream for me and mine's quite different and I think it's also quite uh vague compared to yours I simply want a life where I have the freedom to pursue things that interest me. And I want to be perpetually interested and fired up about something that lets me build things and learn things like that is, it it seems very vague, but it adequately describes what has made me very happy over the course of my entire life. So Uh, enough
1: to you is just always having that
0: always having that. Yep. Um, and you know, sometimes that may mean like I'm interested in something where I that that costs a lot of money or I need to invest a lot of time. Like it's gonna change, but that that's just kind of who I am. Uh, and it's it was interesting. I was having a conversation with a couple of friends a couple of months ago. And at that time, I was feeling a bit burned out, a bit overwhelmed again. And this is like a recurring story over the couple last couple of years. And they asked me, like, what are your long term goals? What do you see yourself doing in five years? And I couldn't answer which it felt so weird to me because I have my impossible list with all these goals on it. And I want to do all those things, but there wasn't a single one that was like sticking out as like, hey, hey, I really want, really want to do that right now. It was all things that I knew I had put on the list, but I wasn't feeling excited about any one of them. And I was feeling this stress because my, my thought process at the time where, well, I had this dream of becoming a YouTuber and I did that. And like, it's stressing me out right now. So therefore, if I became like a musician, well, that would just stress me out. If I became this or that or whatever, that would just stress me out. And it's been interesting to see how my my mindset has shifted as I've gotten interested in building out this course for Notion people, for building out my new personal website. It's another project. But because the interest is there and the passion is there, that idea that it's just going to be this like stressful burden in the future, it's not there. I just feel the excitement to build this new thing. So that tells me, oh, well, well, this is very different than what I was building in the past, but I'm still excited to do it. And I felt that same excitement for building like my budget spreadsheet or learning camera operating techniques or like learning how to lay ethernet cable in my house. Like when I get to learn and build things, I am satisfied and happy.
1: And so it, it sounds also like- does it maybe you already basically have enough other than the desire to remove constant video creation as uh something that you have to do since yeah. it would take the time away from all of those things that you're actively interested in.
0: Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what it is. And maybe there's some combination of things I can do to keep the channel sustainable while allowing myself to do that. But yeah, I, I need the ability to learn and grow always. That's just, who I am and take the occasional vacation.
1: But yeah, I mean, that, it's that's weird. Cause like some, convenient. I know a
0: lot of people would be like, if I had like, you know, just, just like a farmhouse in the country that I own and I could just like have some chickens, like I'd have enough. And I'm like, I wouldn't, that that might be cool for like a year, but then I would get something else in my head that would be interested in doing. So
1: <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I don't know.
0: It's like a, it's like a weird combination of never enough, but I understand what, the enough is it's just like at a meta level or something
1: i mean that's a more sustainable not enough than if you were just like i need to have a scrooge mcduck mansion with a a giant vat of gold coins that i I can swim in even if it's very painful to do so
0: yeah i've seen the family guy parody that's what actually would happen yeah, you just
1: fall and break yeah, all but your the, bones. The desire to just constantly be interested in stuff is a pretty reasonable enough to be chasing because really at any given time, you might already have it. You just don't want to lose it.
0: Yes. So it, yeah, it's weird. Like in a way, I do have enough. It's just that like my enough requires constant progression.
1: Yeah. But it's not and like um, a weird extrinsic progression that it is outside of your interest. It's purely yeah based on what you want
0: mhm but
1: i don't i don't have
0: long term future goals of like excess material wealth over what i have now but at the same time i'm not the kind of person who's like i have enough now and will always have enough like what i have now is enough because i know like i i will probably pick up an interest in the future that will require you know buying something so like it, it, when I was younger, I didn't really need a garage. And now I'm like, well, you know, I kind of like riding my motorcycle, but I also have a car. So I kind of need a garage and that's like yeah. fine. So and I don't know. It's weird. And one thing that I try to keep in mind with this, because I realize like I'm a very excitable person is it is my interest in acquiring new knowledge, more money, more things, like, is it genuinely something that I am driven to do out of a desire that is meaningful to me, or is it I'm like chasing what somebody else has out of like hidden jealousy? I, I, I recognize in my, this in myself. I don't know if you feel the same thing, but because I'm so interested in so many things i also follow a lot of people who are very good at those things and as much as i try not to i will like uh, unconsciously compare myself to them and then feel like oh well i need to work harder over here or i need to do this get that yeah i do that a lot. (laughs) okay so yeah i'm not alone i would imagine that you know if, if we if we both do it then the audience probably a lot of them do it as well
1: well i get i get the urges i just i i they last for like a day or two until I'm like, wait. I'm being randomly pulled in a random direction by somebody that does something cool right now. Let me con- yeah. let me stop. Let me consider that first. Yep.
0: <laughs> I'll have to tell myself like, Well, that's what they do. And I don't just do that. I do other things too. So like it would be very unrealistic for me to think I could do the same thing while also juggling all these other things. Because naturally The other things I'm juggling, they're not going to just be like little side projects. I'm going to feel that I need to be at the pinnacle with each one of them. And it's just very unrealistic. So that's probably my biggest struggle with like the concept of having enough is making sure that I'm not chasing things that are just there because I am looking at somebody else and comparing myself to them.
1: That's probably the biggest thing that I've had to, I've been working on it a lot this year because obviously we've had a lot of time to think, you know, Mm -hmm. insert thousandth comment anyone's made about the pandemic. But I've spent a lot of time thinking and like I've had to start trying to pinpoint which things I really do want to pursue more effortly and Mm -hmm. which ones I would like to not push so much because the enough for me involves that time to be slow to go for a walk to to have a garden to go spend time taking photos and unfortunately yeah. i like like 92 things and that means mm-hmm. that i have to accept that i can't keep them all firing on all cylinders at all time i have to let things go somewhat in yeah. order to have enough time i have to reduce what i consider to be enough skill sets and that's that's been very difficult because i just have to accept that there's a limit to what I can Mm -hmm. maintain. Otherwise, I have to have no free time and I will never have the time where I can go on walks and chill by the water and do all this calm stuff because I'm too busy juggling like 92 languages and pixel art and photography and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one
0: thing that I have to think about a lot is when when I'm considering getting into something what is it going to take away from my current life and like most often it's it's going to take away time which is something that i want like i want the ability to just wake up some mornings and like oh i'm going to read a book and like that's one thing that i kind of don't have right now and i realized i
1: haven't haven't read like at all this year for the same reason
0: (laughs) I've read a bit this year but the past uh, month especially has been just a whirlwind of getting my new site built, my new channel launched, get videos out on both channels. And I realized like life is a ebbing and flowing cycle. And I'm just in a very particularly busy cycle right now. But I have to be careful not to say okay, well like this level of output is what has to be the norm always because it is Representative of the peak of a cycle, and there there needs to be a corresponding valley at some point to allow for rest and recuperation. So that that's something to that keep in mind as well. How do I keep the time, as well? When when I when I get excited about something, it tends to be something that would afford me more money, more optionality in terms of opportunities. Uh, but additional free time is usually a pretty back burner consideration. Even though, like when I really think about it, it's probably the one that I would want the most.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's it's really hard to come to that conclusion, but then accept it like emotionally. Mm -hmm. You might you might logically say it, but you have to feel it and then do it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, So I guess to put a little bow on this conversation, so we can get into some of them cult member questions, and then I can go get some writing done. Is when you're thinking about what enough means. Um, think about what it means to you and not necessarily just what it means to somebody else because clearly like our definitions of enough are very different. They're very personalized. They, they're very personalized. Yours seems more concrete and and simple in terms of like you can picture what that well, looks I like. I want to be,
1: head. you know, Thanos, when he's, he's just sitting on like his farm, that's it. I just want to be like Thanos, happy Thanos. You want to gif. sit on
0: your farm with the knowledge that you have just wiped out half of the universe?
1: Well, I might be able to snap away that knowledge in that particular situation. So <laughs> I could just, um, so that'd be cool. But yeah, just some something chill like that. Um,
0: I've seen some things that I don't want to remember. And now I don't have to with this forgetting Ray.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, okay. Yeah, but like, yeah, it's, it's like simple for you. You, you know, you want to be able to travel, have free time, do slow activities, things like that. For me, it's, it's more fuzzy, but like philosophically, the idea is quite simple. Just have the freedom to keep building and learning things, not get yeah. stuck in the same rut forever.
1: And I know. may in fact have a more philosophically fuzzy one after I hit that first goal. You know, mm-hmm. I may after that be like, cool, I've enjoyed these peaceful things for a while. It's time to do something different. I just don't know that yet because I haven't haven't hit it. The only kind of enough measurements that I would be really really suspicious of, if I were anyone, would be any enough measurements that come with a number. If that number is not meeting your basic safety and whatever needs, like you know, like like, a a lot of oh, I just need a million dollars. Yeah, like oh, I just need a million dollars. Past a certain point, money numbers become you should really question whether that's a real thing or whether you want like three cars or a giant house or 18 million youtube subscribers this a lot of the stuff that comes with numbers is being clearly driven extrinsically because the intrinsic joy of doing something isn't that affected by what how many times you've done it thus far yeah so it's yeah the the number is suspicious of number based enough goals
0: yeah I used to have more number-based goals than I do now. Now, like, I have a few of my possible lists that are just fun to track. Like, it's fun to see. I've got, like, hit 5 million subscribers on there, but I don't really care when I hit it. I, You're I not devoting have it there your life to because, it right now. No, I, I would literally have it there because I would be interested to see how long it took between, like, 1 million, 2 yeah. million, 5 million. Like, it's just, it's just interesting to see those well, and that, that's But interesting. I don't care about... Like, and I've, I've learned, and I, I think the biggest one was hitting a million subscribers. I hit it. I took a picture of my screen, posted it on Instagram. I was like, whoo, I got it. And then, you know, five minutes later, I'm like, oh, well, that dopamine rush is gone. And now the next milestone, I guess, is 10 million because of the way that human yeah. brains perceive number increases. We don't perceive them linearly. We perceive them logarithmically or exponentially or something like that. Like, you know, like one lion is half as threatening as two lions but like 67 lions and 66 lions like the same thing you know yeah okay, that's so not, maybe maybe it's, it's based different. on survival mechanism like you know you got six seven lions coming towards you that's 66 67 it's fine it's the same thing
1: you're gonna die uh, either way i i guess a really relatable numerical one maybe that that would be an example of what to watch out for would be like the kind of person who says i want to read 100 books this year then i'll be happy but now maybe reading <laughs> 100 books could make you happy but it won't be the fact that you've read a hundred. It would be do you enjoy reading when you're in the middle of reading the book more so than yeah. do you enjoy that your Goodreads shows that you have read this many. Like, yeah, the, which a lot of the numbers can make you not enjoy the moment.
0: That that's been sort of my position on Goodreads forever. Like Goodreads should not be considered to be your trophy case.
1: Yeah, I removed my because, to be read list a long time ago because it was stressing me out.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I used to do that. Oh, I'm going to read 30 books this year. And then I would just be in the middle of reading one, like, am I behind on my progress? Am I going to hit 30? I'm like not enjoying the book. Or I would be incentivized to gloss over something that I could probably read again or mull over or think about deeply because, oh, well, I need to read one chapter a day.
1: Yeah. Or skip out a on really big books Because why would you read the Da Vinci biography? That's worth like six books worth of reading. Yep. You should just read six smaller ones like it's yep. it's fine to maybe reading 100 books. You will be happy, but probably only if you enjoyed reading each of those 100 books.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. So I, I, I think like the goal there is just
1: read. Yeah. Read like more. just be careful about attaching numbers unless they're kind of loose directional mm-hmm. numbers rather than you think they'll actually make be, a
0: difference. It could be worth using a number to get yourself in the habit of reading, like read. 20 pages yeah. a day or half yeah. an hour a day or something like that just just to get yourself in the habit of doing it but i think once you're in the habit those numbers are uh sort of meaningless at that point it's it's one of those like what got you here will not get you there things you know like you, you take the training wheels off the bike eventually nobody in the tour de france has got the training wheels in the bike though that would be very funny if like they should the allow someone cyclists in the wheels. world it's just on one of those tiny child bikes with training wheels and the tassels still going down the mountains of France at like 70 miles an hour, but just on that. Oh, hey there, so apologies in advance, but uh, as of this part in the recording, Martin's microphone decided to, for some reason, disconnect because computers are unreliable, of course. So we're switching over to his camera audio, which isn't quite as good, but it's still quite listenable. I would watch that.
1: Yeah sounds horribly dangerous though
0: <laughs> can we can we have a pro cycling circuit where like it, it's pro cyclists but they have to ride children's bikes
1: with i think they, they've got they've got to find a way to like balance that better so that they're less likely to just flip over because of the tiny bikes
0: uh they just need to get good
1: i mean probably. that's it
0: just just get good <laughs> um oh I, I forgot to, or i don't want to forget to say this so when talking about like the number thing i had a number at one point in my life that uh, i kind of no longer believe in but i want to comment on it for a little bit so when i was 23 i set this goal of hitting i think it was nine hundred thousand dollars in 2013 or
1: 2014 dollars was it like one of those kind of fire kind
0: of things. yeah um So yeah, I think it was 2014, I wanted to save up $900,000 basically to do the whole Mr. Money Mustache thing, which is like save up enough money where you can do the 4% rule. And the 4% rule is if we assume the stock market makes 7% on average, and then we'd be really conservative and say, okay, maybe 5%, then you could take 4% of your investment portfolio every year and still it it would last forever. So like if I saved up $900,000, I, I think 4% of that is 36,000 a year. And you know, if I took out 36,000 a year, but it was making at least 5%, then it would, it would last forever at that amount of money, or maybe even grow slightly. Um, a lot of the people in like the fire community the financial independence retire early people, they live by this whole goal of like getting enough money saved up that I can do the 4% rule and retire early. Um, there's a great YouTube video which we can possibly link to in the show notes where a guy is basically like debunking it. But I, I think 2020 has shown how uh, the four percent rule can really fall apart. If the market stays good forever, then it's fine. But when when we look at the market and we say, "Oh, it makes seven percent on average," that is a long term view on average. And, and your your money would make 7% if you just kept it there and never touched it. But if you're taking 4%, and so let's say you're taking 4% every year, but you're withdrawing it monthly, like it's so it's your income. Well, then if the stock market has a huge crash like it did in March of this year, you're not taking out 4%. If you're making a withdrawal at that point, like you're eating into so much more in terms of gains. So if you're going to live on the 4% rule, if the stock market has a huge crash, you had better be able to take out, like, let's just say your portfolio loses 50% of its value overnight and you need to take money out the next day for your living expenses. You better be able to take half of that and live off that. Otherwise you're taking out a ton more and it Mm -hmm. it might, you know, eventually run out. So, uh, the whole like idea of living off the 4% rule and retiring early and just being able to live off that forever, it may be flawed. So maybe we got to say it's like, that's a 2% rule or something like that. But that, that is an example of a number that I used to be looking at. Like I'm going to hit this much money in my investment accounts and then I can just retire early and do whatever I want. Uh, number one, I think like that is quite naive. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's no coincidence that the fire movement got so popular in the 2010s because for Basically, all the 2010s, the stock market was just a rocket ship. And I mean, still, like, it's made an improbable and inexplainable recovery this year. But uh, this year, we, we finally did see that huge crash due to the, the COVID pandemic. So, like, that's something to keep in mind if you're trying to do the whole fire thing. Um, but in general, like, you know, like, aiming yourself at a big number is not necessarily going to make you happy. Uh, anywho, is there anything else you wanted to say on this or shall we get into cult member questions? No, I think that's, I think that's enough. All righty. <laughs> uh, okay, so cult member questions. Number one, if you had to be employed by somebody else, what company would you work for?
1: This is a good way of seeing what could also be enough.
0: <laughs> Did you think about this? I'm just reading this for the first time and
1: I'm like, oh man. Uh, you know, I didn't actually prepare an answer. I would probably want to work i don't know if i could get hired for this but i would want to do photography professionally if i could do that i'd want to be hired by somebody like tofugu or duolingo or some some language related probably
0: Mm. this is a good question there's like like there's companies i like but i can't think of many is it a cop-out answer to say standard Cause like I kind oh, it's of, a little, own, it's like a
1: little bit. I own part it's, it's of Standard. a little bit of one. Cause that's not a significant life change. If I suddenly am <laughs> a full-time true. photographer or I'm working with a language company, that's way different than what I'm doing now.
0: That That's true. That is way different. I mean, I have, I have something that I'm doing right now that I'm very interested in, but it's like, it's building my own thing. I just can't think of one. I can't think of a company where I'd be like, Oh, it'd be cool to go work for them. So I guess I have to rephrase the question as, Oh, you have to go work for somebody else.
1: Yeah, you switch careers, pivot.
0: What are you doing? Well, I kind of addressed this in my recent video, the one called uh, how to figure out what to do with your life, where I kind of said like the company you work for or the specific job role doesn't matter that much. What matters is the qualities of the work that that you get to have, which uh, include things like, um, are you building or maintaining things? Are you, do you have creative autonomy or do you have a lot of direction? Some people want the direction. Some people want to just be like loosed on the world to do, you know, whatever. Um, do you get credit for your work or are you kind of behind the scenes? And how does it affect your work-life balance? So, you know, obviously like I have a big interest in Notion. So it, it would seem obvious that I would answer Notion, but I'm pretty sure they only accept people who will come work in San Francisco at the office. And like I would mm. not be willing to move there, so that kind of like writes them out. I think I would need to work number one for a small company where I could be part of a, uh, a small focused team and feel like my role was substantial in the building of that company, um, and uh, something where I could learn and build something new. And I I literally don't know. I think I would just I would let opportunities come my way and jump at one that was exciting. But there's there's nothing right now where I'm like, oh, it would be that company right there. I'm not sure. Um, though, if people want a sort of more satisfying answer, what would be interesting to do as a small gig, like a temporary one, my friend Steve Cam, who runs Nerd Fitness, uh, when he was younger, worked on a company that puts on floating music festivals so they're like music festivals on cruise ships. That's and cool. I think it would be it would be really interesting to be part of that for a little while. Like just just get the experience of working with bands, uh dealing with logistics. Like it, it sounds interesting to me.
1: All right. So, that's an interesting answer. That's
0: that's my answer for now. But yeah. I don't it's not like, oh I'd go work for Tesla. Like, no. I don't think I would you know, Tesla's cool. I wouldn't want to work for them. I got all kinds of companies that I admire, but I don't think I'd want to work for them. Yeah, I just love doing my own thing, building my own stuff, Um, and yeah, I guess like the the realist answer is, if I for some reason couldn't do my company anymore, I would find something to do at Standard, and I kind of know what I would do at Standard because I'm a process optimization guy, so I would do that. Uh, All right, second question: What podcasts have you been listening to? And you chose to put this. Question here, which makes me think that you have been listening to a podcast. But as far as I'm aware, you don't typically listen to podcasts.
1: Uh, I've been catching up on on some old Anthropocene reviewed episodes. Oh, okay. That's pretty much. Remind it. me again of what that show is. Uh, it's where uh, John Green basically reviews a couple things from the human era of of Earth, and then rates them on That's a scale right. from it's like- one to five or something to that extent. So he was reviewing like Canada geese and I don't remember if it was the same one, but he was, he reviewed Kentucky bluegrass, like the grass in lawns and diet, Dr. Pepper, just all sorts of, but they're really, the way he reviews them, it like, it feels so deep to be learning so much about how important maybe diet Dr. Pepper is to humanity.
0: It sounds a little bit like 99% invisible. I don't know what that is because it's it's
1: too invisible
0: for me. 99% Invisible is a show about kind of the same thing where they just do a detailed uh, sort of journalistic cover on things you would never consider. Like how in New York City, there's these tunnels underneath the city that were used for like herding cows. So was like I thought you tunnels. said hurting
1: with a T not like, hurting. Well, this you know, is they're the, like probably eventually the cow, them, the let's cow be pain tunnel,
0: <laughs> the cow tunnel of pain. Uh, no, it's like hurting. And they, you know, crisscross the city. And uh, a lot of times they've been boarded up, but some of them are accessible via subway tunnels. It's interesting. And like that. It's, it's a very interesting podcast. I have not been listening to that one. Um, the one I've been listening to very consistently, is called Business Wars. It's a really well-produced show on the Wondering Network. And it'll just be like a whole series of episodes telling the story of like two big businesses that are kind of competing. So I listened to a whole series on like Dunkin' Donuts versus Starbucks. There was one on Nintendo versus Sony. There's one on like uh, Snapchat versus Facebook. And then sometimes they'll do more broad categories. So the series I'm listening to right now is like Dating App Wars. It's not any two specific dating apps because the, the scene has sort of changed over time. There's so many players, but it's just very interesting to learn the history behind all this. It's a very Tom answer. So I'm glad that was are both a very on brand answer as, as a general rule. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I haven't been listening to anything else. So part of the reason is um, Listen Money Matters and Money Lab are on, uh, they've been on a very long hiatus and I don't know if they're coming back. I religiously listen to every Money Lab episode, at least the ones that are Andrew and Matt, but they haven't podcasted in a while. So just been business worse. And then um, every single night, I listen to a book called Ghost in the Wires when I go to sleep. I just pick a random chapter. I've listened to the book so many times. So I just pick a random chapter. Uh, At least, you know, this has been the last like six months. I will kind of like sift between probably five or six books that I'll come back to. So these are uh, Ghost in the Wires, the martian um what are the other ones there's one called black edge there's one called american kingpin i think it's actually those four there may be one of that i can't think of but yeah those four i've listened to them all probably a dozen times over and i'll just pick a random chapter from one of them and fall asleep to it
1: honestly that sounds like a really good use of audiobook to me yeah the yeah, perfect just, situation where right it doesn't sleep. matter if I missed a few words.
0: Doesn't matter at all. Yep. And it's, I don't listen to new books that way. I used to uh, I when I was younger. I would, to do I would, it that way. Yeah, I would try to like listen to part of Harry Potter while falling asleep or something. And it just like it, it kind of works. But the problem is there is no option in the Audible app to say set the sleep timer to turn off right when I stop paying attention. It's like yeah. you have to choose a number of minutes and I don't know how long it takes me to fall asleep. I could make it 15 minutes but then it might end before I fall asleep and I'm like, "Oh." And then I'll choose like an hour and it'll get just way ahead of where I stop paying attention. So, yeah, yeah, I can't I
1: can't do it for that situation.
0: Yeah, I just got to do books that uh that I've listened to a million times. So, yeah, that that's our answers to those questions, I suppose. So, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of the inforium um the next time you listen to this podcast i think we're still going to be recording from here but i believe i will be moved into my new place nice at least with my personal belongings i'm doing like a double fancy times are coming fancy times are coming stressful times are coming that's just how it be yeah
1: they were the fanciest times they were the most stressful of times
0: as always, thank you so much for hanging out with us, listening to this podcast. If you enjoy it, there is a rating and review system over on Apple Podcasts. So if you're one of the people who listens to that or listen to the show on Apple Podcasts and you haven't done that yet, you can support this show by giving us a rating and review or just by sharing it with uh, anybody who hasn't listened to it yet, maybe a friend. Send them your favorite episode. I just remembered that the camera that's filming me is this one, so I should probably look at this one instead of this one. <laughs> I keep looking to the webcam. Uh, and beyond that, I mentioned my new channel. So if you want to check that out, it's got all sorts of Notion tutorials. Uh, and one, there's a really big one recently that I put out on how to build a task manager from scratch in Notion. So if you want to learn how my entire Ultimate Tasks template works from scratch, that is going to be for you. The whole thing is over at thomasjfrank.com explains, or you can grab my templates at thomasjfrank.com Notion. I think that's about it for calls to action and such. I guess if you haven't subscribed, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, google podcasts i think is still a thing google music is done because youtube music is a thing now but i'm pretty sure google podcasts is still a thing like that yes so all those things and the stuff otherwise go over to the inforium.com and you'll find all the ways in which to subscribe and you'll also find the show notes for this episode and the url is going to be what Theinforium.com slash seven yeah okay. That's That's right be it All right, so that's going to be it. Thanks as always again for hanging out with us, and we will see you in the next episode. Thank
1: you.